It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Yes, uh, welcome ladies and gentlemen on this 12th day of February 2014. Hope you all starting out a good day there. Uh, we're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and uh like everyone say the prayers there for Stretch. Uh, technician, he's, he's back in the hospital. They're trying to figure out what all is wrong with him, so we wish him luck there and certainly send prayers his way to him and his family. Uh, that's the second time he's been in there, and uh, my lands, it seemed like about two two weeks. So he's getting kind of tired of them places. But at any rate, uh, uh, our guest speaker today is uh, Paul Sullivan. He's with Bergman and Moore, and... Uh, He'll be enlightening us on a few things, but in the meantime, uh, how are you doing today, uh, John? I'm doing good, Gerald. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's supposed to start warming up here, and I'll certainly be happy to see some warm weather. Uh, Leave sunshine. <laughs> Send it my way. doing fantastic. Well, by golly, I'm glad to hear it. At, at least uh, you're doing good. You're not in the hospital. I just tell them there one stretch or technicians in the hospital again. Oh, well, give him my best. Well, I sure do that. And uh, this is the second time in two weeks, so uh, we're, we're hoping they get him straightened out this time. But uh, anyway, uh, what all is going on new with with you, you folks down there? Uh, 
Well, at Bergman and Moore, we're busy all the time helping veterans with their disability claim appeals. But uh, there's a lot going in Washington. We can talk about some legislation. Yeah. I can also uh, give you some information on uh, Gulf War veterans and Iraq War veterans and the new stats from the war that will get you mad. Um, I can talk about the VA claim backlog statistics. And then uh, I was hoping we could spend a lot of time this morning on VA's terrible proposal uh, for, that mandates veterans use claim forms. Oh, yes. Uh, that's something there we do need to talk about. That's for sure. So which one do you want to do first? Well, let's do the claim form thing. Now, I'm always concerned when it comes to these claim forms because, in my opinion, they're always so biased and, and uh, they try to trip you up with trick questions and everything else. But uh, maybe this will be a, a different type of form. Well, let me give the listeners a little bit of background, okay? Uh-huh. Um, everyone knows that VA has a huge claim delay and error crisis. We all know that. Everyone also is fully aware that VA mostly uses paper to process veterans' claims. In other words, VA, just in the past two years, is starting to use computers to input all the information and make uh, all the decisions and processing on a veteran's claims. Uh-huh. Now, you and I, we agree VA should computerize, right? Everybody's with us on that, right? Uh, I have reservations about it because unless they have a backup file, a paper file, uh, I'm afraid some disastrous things are going to happen. You know, just a click of a button and, and whammo, uh, a claim uh, can be really, uh, really messed up. Well, VA is supposed to store all of the documents veterans send in, so it's not going to be completely paperless. That's a legitimate concern because, you know, Gerald, I know you and I have talked about the scandals that have happened in the past where VA offices were shredding veterans' claim forms. and In fact, a few VA employees were bringing claims home and stuffing them in their attic. Remember all those scandals? Yes. Well, computerization will make it a little bit harder for somebody to steal a file because, you know what, the computer's going to say where it went. Well, hopefully. Uh, let's hope. Uh, <laughs> someone well, has to sign the Haven and get their hands on it. But, uh, uh, yeah, still it's a concern uh, as long as they keep it get, getting backed up, uh, a backup file, and, and backed up with paper, too, I think. Both probably wouldn't hurt uh, dealing with the VA. Well, let's just say that VA wants to finally enter the, I don't know, 19th century. No, just kidding, the 21st century and use computers and, and maybe speed things up, okay? We're, we're all in favor of VA modernizing, okay? I, I think we can all say that. Well, along those lines of VA starting to use computers to store and process and make decisions on veterans' claims, VA wants veterans to use a form first to apply for benefits and then to disagree with any VA benefits rating decision. Now, 
on its face, that sounds reasonable, okay? We all know that if you want to file your taxes, you just can't write a letter to the IRS saying, hey, here's my taxes. You have to use VA's forms, uh, excuse me, the IRS's forms. We all get that, right? Right. Okay. Well, that's what it looks like VA did. See, on uh, October 31st, VA published what's called a notice in the Federal Register, and that's a requirement where all government agencies and departments, if they want to have a new regulation, the agency has to publish a notice about the proposal for a new regulation. Well, in this case, VA's proposal was for forms. Every veteran would have to use a form to apply for a claim or to disagree with VA's decision. And that all sounded reasonable. And then, like good smart people, the veteran advocates actually read the fine print details, and that's when we discovered a Trojan horse. VA is doing something really terrible to veterans. And if there's any veterans out there, you're going to be really upset when I tell you about some of these things. How would you feel about this as a proposal? If a veteran does his or her claim online on a computer, the veteran can take as long as he wants, basically, and the effective date for when VA starts sending out payments is when the veteran started the computer claim. That sounds reasonable. Well, VA set up a different standard. Let's say a veteran starts his or her disability compensation claim on paper but doesn't finish it, even though it's on VA's form. The VA for the paper forms won't establish an effective date for the payments of the disability benefits until the veteran actually completes his or her paper form. So VA set up a discrimination loophole where if a veteran, usually younger, or who has a veteran service organization, files the complaint, uh, the claim on a computer, the veteran gets an earlier effective date. But if the veteran is by him or herself, pro se, filing a claim against VA, and if the veteran does it on paper, then the veteran would be penalized by not submitting everything up front. That's wrong. Everybody knows it. You can't have different types of claim, one based on computer and one based on paper. That's well, not right. That's for sure. And did I not read somewhere that the VA was trying to uh, change the effective date uh, to the date of approval of the claim. Uh, when the claim is awarded, be, uh, to become your effective date. Did I not read that in there somewhere? Well, VA makes that common mistake all the time. If there's veterans out there listening to this, and say a veteran filed his claim in the year 2012, and VA didn't approve the claim until the year 2014, and the veteran's medical evidence shows the veteran had the condition back in 2012, VA will often set the effective date for the payments as the date the VA finally approved the claim in 2014. In other words, 
VA cheated the veteran out of two years of what are called retroactive benefits or back pay, okay? And, yes, VA makes a lot of mistakes like that. That's why, Bergman and Moore, we encourage veterans, if they smell something wrong on their VA rating decision, contact a veteran service organization or call Bergman and Moore, and we'll see if VA made a mistake. That's what we do. But VA is supposed to grant the claim on the date that the veteran filed the claim. And here's two other pieces of news veterans want to know. Did you know that if a veteran files his or her claim within one year of discharge from active duty military status, then the effective date for VA payment is actually the day after the veteran discharged? Isn't that great? Yeah. Okay. There's an assumption that the veteran had the condition uh, for that year. Now, there's another great piece of news. If a veteran follows VA's new program called Fully Developed Claim, or the letters FDC, Foxtrot Delta Charlie, if a veteran follows the FDC rule and gathers up all of his evidence with the Veteran Service Organization and submits one of these FDC claims, VA will pay one additional year of benefits as an incentive to the veteran to gather all the evidence up and file the FDC claim. So effective dates are really important. So if there's a veteran out there that thinks he's got the wrong date, pick up the phone, go visit somebody, and have, a, have somebody who knows what they're doing take a look at VA's rating decision. And, and I'm going to leave you with this one last point on that subject. According to VA's Inspector General, Gerald, uh-huh. VA makes a mistake in 30% of high-risk claims. That's bad. That's horrible. Now, did you know in December the American Legion testified in front of Congress that they did their own inspection of VA claims, and the American Legion told Congress that the American Legion found mistakes, mistakes VA made that hurt veterans in 55%. That's more than half of the claims that the American Legion reviewed. Wow. That's uh, unreal. That's why veterans should appeal. So let's keep... That alone uh, should throw up red flags all over the place, and there should be some uh, uh, hearings on that, uh, some some sort of investigation to go in and get get all that corrected. Oh, you're right. There have been lots and lots of hearings. VA's Inspector General has testified once or twice a year, for years and years and years about VA's horrible mistakes, their chronic claim delay and error crisis. And you know what? VA executives, you know what they do? They just give themselves bonuses, and they just keep making the same old mistakes. They don't hire enough staff. They don't train enough staff. They're slow on the computer systems. The computer systems keep breaking down. But the same VA officials are still there 10, 15, 20 years into this disaster. Everybody focuses on the one person, like the secretary or the undersecretary. Those folks really aren't the problem. It's the people who have been there 20, 30 years, and they keep breaking VA, especially the claims process, and making veterans wait 
and wait. And VA makes mistakes and mistakes and blunders and errors that cost veterans a lot of money and prevent veterans from getting their free, a, free VA health care. Uh, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about that, especially on the bonuses. Uh, I was reading somewhere, I don't know how accurate this would be, but that uh, there was some talk about uh, Congress uh, freezing the VA bonuses, not releasing funds for VA bonuses. Now, I'm hoping that happens. Uh, if it does, uh, that would be great, because why should you give someone a bonus for actually uh, destroying that's what they're doing. They're wrecking people's lives. Well, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on in Washington. Gerald, you're almost spot on. Let me give you the details. There's two pieces of legislation going on in Congress right now. The first one is by Chairman Miller of Florida. He's a Republican congressman, and he heads the House Veterans Affairs Committee. That's uh-huh. the committee that's supposed to do oversight of VA. Chairman Miller's first bill seeks to stop executive bonuses. You know, these bonuses are out of control. Twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a year to these top VA officials, not political appointees. These are top executives and career staff. And you know what's scandalous? Is that these top VA officials received these bonuses while the number of veterans waiting on a claim skyrocketed, while the amount of time the veterans waited on their their claim decision from VA skyrocketed, and while VA continued to make either a 30% error rate, if you believe VA's IG, or a 55% error rate, if you believe the American Legion. So by any of those standards, I mean, if you ran a car factory, Gerald, and 30% of the cars coming off the assembly line were done broke, well, I think the factory manager would done to get fired, right? It wouldn't last long, I'll tell you. Well, not only are the VA officials lasting long, they're giving themselves bonuses. And you know what they say? VA says that VA needs to give these executives bonuses in order to keep them at VA. And it, <laughs> it makes your head want to spin. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is VA trying to say that they're going to pay more money to keep the bad people who keep breaking VA? That's what they're saying. That's just crazy. The most incompetent people probably in the country and uh, working for the VA and they're giving them bonuses for continuously to make errors. You know, when I I used to work in a manufacturing plant, and and uh, you had a scrap rate, you know. Anytime you're machining parts, uh, one could scrap every now and then. And, uh, but... Uh, my golly, you get scrapping too many, and you'd be looking for another job. That's right. And and as far as I'm concerned, 
a mistake on a claim is no different than running scrap rate. I mean, uh, after a couple of them, you better have some answers or be talking real quick because they're going to put you out the door. And there's... Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. There's the VA scrap rate, in other words, is astronomical. Oh, it is. Let me give you some other statistics, okay, while we're on the subject about VA just making mistakes. Did you know out of the 1.2 million claims filed each year by veterans, only 12% of veterans actually start the appeal process by filing a notice of disagreement. That's it, just 12%. Okay. Now, out of those 12% who start the appeal process and then who go to an agency called the Board of Veterans' Appeals, did you know the Board of Veterans' Appeals returns or grants 75% of the appeals that make it to the board. Now, if I was a gambling man, and I'm not a gambling man, but just speaking hypothetically, somebody told me that if I appealed to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, I had a 75% chance of prevailing against VA, I'd go, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, let me give you another statistic. Let's just say, you know, there's that 25% where the board agrees with VA, right, and upholds VA's decision? Uh Well, if a veteran appeals a board decision, did you know he or she has a 61% chance, 6 in 10, of prevailing at the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims? So there's every reason for veterans to appeal, every reason, especially if the veteran just doesn't smell something right. Now, obviously, if a veteran gets 100% on his claim, there's nothing to appeal, all right? Usually. Uh, There are some exceptions. But, uh, you know, VA makes so many mistakes, and that's because VA's in a hurry. Now, let me talk to you about uh, this other bill that Chairman Miller and then Senator Rubio of Florida, they're both Republicans, they introduced this bill that would give Secretary Shinseki the ability to fire top career civil service executives at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, make make sure we understand what I'm talking about here. This doesn't mean that the secretary can fire the claim processor. No. It means the secretary can more easily remove the executive who runs the regional office or the executives in Washington. Okay? That's what this means, okay? And for a long time, people have said that that's really where the problem lies is because there hasn't been a whole lot of turnover among those people uh, in the executive level. That's the equivalent to a general in the Army, okay? Uh-huh. VA's generals, none of them get fired um, So the, that we're aware of publicly anyway. Some might have been. Um, but this legislation... Uh, that just came out yesterday. Uh, It's up at the Facebook for um, Bergman & Moore. You can read it now. It says, Proposal by Representative Jeff Miller would make firing, failing Veterans Affairs bosses easier to do. Yeah, but wouldn't he have that authority anyway? No. 
there's a lot of protection for government civil service people. Well, I, and I believe that's rightful. You know, you don't want to fire the guy processing the claim because they weren't trained, right, or they don't have computers that work. Don't fire that person. Fire the person that didn't give them the training and didn't give them the computer. Okay, and then if that if that VA employee does have the right training, they're not being forced to work all this overtime, and their computers work. And then if that VA employee still can't produce accurate decisions on their claim, well, then maybe that employee ought to go. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. So that's what's going on in Washington. Oh, there's one more huge bill going on. It's uh, S-1982 by Chairman Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Uh, He's the chairman of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, and he has a huge bill up on his website. And uh, the website, of course, is obviously veterans.senate.gov. And that website has this huge bill, S-1982, that has lots of reforms for uh, VA. Um, I I could be on the, the show here for an hour and not even finish listing them all, but if veterans are interested, they can go and take a look at it. The big veterans groups, they're all behind it. Um, I'm not aware of any problems in the bill. It all looks good. Well, maybe it'll happen. Well, I hope so. Um, I hope so. Um, so let's get back to this VA rule here, okay? Um, it's a Trojan horse, VA's rule, where they want to mandate that veterans use VA's claim forms, all right? Well, Bergman and Moore, we're really, really concerned about one provision in particular on VA's proposed rule, okay? Right now, under the current VA law and VA regulations, when a veteran gets a VA rating decision and he or she sees that something's wrong with VA's decision, the veteran need only send in a letter You know, one or two sentences. My name is veteran, you know, William James, right? Uh And I disagree with VA's decision dated, you know, today's date, February 12, 2014. And the veteran signs it. He puts his address on it. He sends it to VA certified mail return receipt requested, and the veteran keeps a copy. That's all that was generally needed for a veteran to start the appeal process on VA's decision. Does that sound reasonable? Sounds right. Okay. Now, let's just say that VA tells the veteran, okay, if you want to disagree with the claim, you have to put your disagreement on a form. And that would be like, okay, sounds like taxes. You want your tax refund, right? Or if you got to pay Uncle Sam, you got to do it on the IRS form, right? Uh-huh. So it sounds reasonable that if a veteran wants to disagree, okay, put their name and address and their claim number, right, on a form, and the veteran says, I disagree. That sounds reasonable, right? That's right. Well, that's not what VA did. That is not what VA did. VA turned this notice of disagreement form into the worst attack on veterans' benefits that I'm aware of in my lifetime because here's what VA did. I call it sneaky, I call it underhanded, I call it wrong, okay? And by the way, 
almost all of the veteran service organizations agree, and they blasted VA, including the veterans of foreign wars. I'm going to send you their testimony. I hope you put it up at SVR and HadIt.com so people see what VA is really doing. I'll send you the Bergman and more comments too. Okay, but now let me tell you what's inside VA's sneaky, underhanded, despicable, rotten Trojan horse. You ready? Ready. On VA's proposed, it's just a proposal, mandatory, that means the veterans are going to have to do it, notice of disagreement form where the veteran disagrees with the VA claim decision. Did you know the veteran is going to have to put down what rating percentage the veteran should get for each condition? Oh, that's not it. The veteran is going to have to put the effective date for each of the conditions. Oh, that's not enough. Then the veteran is going to have to tell VA whether or not the claim should be granted for each of the conditions, yes or no. Okay. And finally, VA has this box. You know, they have this blank section that's a couple inches by a couple inches where the VA requires the veteran to tell VA why VA is wrong. Okay. Let's do a full stop here. That type of information isn't even required on the official Form 9 substantive appeal. That information is basically what's called a pleading, where the veteran has to tell VA what VA did wrong and why VA is wrong. Okay, now, let me explain why VA's proposed rule is a horrible, terrible Trojan horse. Let's just say that you have traumatic brain injury, Gerald. I don't know if you do or not, but let's just say that you do, okay? Uh-huh. Is it fair for VA to make a veteran with traumatic brain injury or maybe PTSD or maybe who might be homeless or who might have some other problem, okay, to fill out that kind of a form? The veteran's just not going to know. And... Did you know the veteran is going to have to fill out this form before the veteran can hire an attorney? Oh. oh. Now, wait a minute. Let's let's just count the number of ways this can go wrong. What if the veteran doesn't appeal all of his conditions on the original claim? Let's say the veteran had five conditions and then only put four on the notice of disagreement. That means that any appeal on that fifth condition is dead. It's gone. Okay? Let's just say that the veteran doesn't check the box on this VA mandatory form. It's just a proposal that says that the veteran thinks that he should be service-connected. Well, then VA won't grant it. Let's just say the veteran doesn't put a rating percentage. Or let's say the veteran puts something like 40% when that condition doesn't have a 40% rating in VA's regulation. Okay? Now let's just talk about effective dates. What if the veteran doesn't know what effective date even means? Okay? Or if he doesn't check the box. Then you're right. VA may make another mistake and grant the claim as of the day the VA decided it and then make the effective date the day VA decided it. Can you see all the terrible things that can go wrong Service connection, effective date, rating, all of those things. That's terrible. You have to put an attachment to this so-called 
four. Yes, a veteran could, theoretically. Uh, that would be the only way I can see that a veteran could successfully uh, combat this thing is with with attachments, uh, see attachments, so on, so on. And, uh, but a lot of veterans are not qualified to fill out such forms. And they'll probably tell you that themselves. I mean... That's right. Only oh, half of I veterans... I don't know what my rating should be. I mean, you know... <laughs> Now, if the veteran has an attorney or the veteran has a VSO, maybe they might get it right. Well, but the, seriously, Diego, what were they thinking? Uh, possibly uh, attorney, yeah, attorney would know how to handle that. But if yeah. you're not, not allowed to ever uh, bring on an attorney until after the notice of disagreement. Well, we all know VA's claims are complex enough as it is. VA just wants to bury veterans in red tape. That well, is so wrong. Going to stand up. I don't see how this form can stand up. You want the bad news, Gerald? Oh. At the February 5 hearing of the House Veterans Affairs Committee, Diana Rubens, who works for the Veterans Benefits Administration, and the attorney for the Department of Veterans Affairs General Counsel, his name is Mr. Hippolyte, they said that VA is going to push ahead aggressively, those are my words, and VA is going to publish a final rule to make these forms mandatory. Oh, and I'm not even done telling you all the bad things in in VA's proposed rule. There's two more bad things. You ready? And if your blood isn't boiling now, man, I don't know what's wrong, but you ready to go on these two? Well, I hate to hear them. (laughs) You're going to hate them. You you and I know there's something that's called an informal claim. Yeah. Let's say a veteran gets hospitalized, and this happens all the time, okay? veteran has got PTSD, and he goes and he checks him or herself into a VA hospital to get some care. Let's say the veteran is rated 50% for his PTSD. And then you and I know, because we've been doing this a long time, that when the veteran goes in the hospital, his rating goes to what, Gerald? Oh, it can, it can go to, uh, what, 100%? It goes to 100%. That's right. Well, but the veteran's in the hospital. The VA wants to make that veteran who just went in the hospital fill out a new claim form. Okay? Instead of what happens now, it's called an informal claim, where the hospitalization itself triggers the start of an informal claim and the effective date becomes the date the veteran went in the hospital. Right? Right. Well, VA wants to do away with all that. Now, here's why. This is the part that ought to have all the veterans with pitchforks and torches just screaming all kind of stuff we can't say on a radio broadcast, right? That's right. Here's what VA says These are VA's own words in VA's proposed rule. VA says that half of the claims that come into VA, that's 600,000 out of 1.2 million a year, are what VA calls informal claims that are not on VA's claim forms. These are claims where the veteran is hospitalized, where the veteran's condition got worse, where the veteran says that he's unemployable, right? A lot of those are informal claims. 
Well, if VA gets VA's way and VA makes veterans use VA's new proposed mandatory forms, VA will ignore, block, reject, refuse, throw out those 600,000 claims. Oh, my land. So, if you're VA and you want to make this backlog go away, the, the big backlog, the big scandal that's been haunting VA for years and years and years, what better way for VA, well, better for VA, but most assuredly underhanded and definitely a mean old ugly Trojan horse, VA is going to make the backlog go away by blocking and stopping 600,000 claims a year. Wow. And that's going to hurt. And VA also estimates that about half of the veterans won't use VA's form for a notice of disagreement. What does that mean? That means you're eliminated. That means the 12% of veterans who file a notice of disagreement will drop to about 6%. Well, now, that's, that's just terrible. What's that? So that'll save them some more. Uh, how are they going to... You know, a veteran in the hospital, he ain't got the word for all to fill out these forms and send them in and do all this and that. That's right. That's ridiculous. Stephen expecting to do that. Now, how how's the VA uh, expecting to get some kind of... Uh, wouldn't this be like a law that 38 CFRs or... Do they write the 38 CFRs? Well, Congress passes a law, then VA puts a notice in the Federal Register for regulations, and then there's a period where the public can comment on VA's proposed regulations, and then VA can issue what are called final regulations. Now, there's two ways to stop VA's regulations. The first is somebody sues VA. The second is Congress passes a law that scraps the regulation. Because the way our country works, the supreme law of the land is the Constitution, and then underneath that are laws, and then underneath that are regulations. Okay? Yeah. So a law trumps a regulation. So, uh, and then, of course, you know, a court decision can invalidate a law uh, and a regulation. So it's really important to know uh, that uh, the veterans of foreign wars when they testified before Congress on February 5th, VFW called upon Congress to possibly block that new regulation. I would hope so. Now, do you remember a guy named Edward Derwinski? Oh, yeah, the big D. He was the first VA Secretary of Veterans Affairs, and he had this boneheaded idea to privatize VA hospitals back in 1992. Yeah. And there was an organization, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, and they were mighty hopping mad about it. And as a result, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, you know, they have one of those political action committees. Uh Uh-huh. Their political action committee didn't 
endorse President George H.W. Bush for re-election in 1992. And what did President George H.W. Bush do in 1992? Well, he kind of sort of politely asked Mr. Dewinsky to find another job. And Mr. Dewinsky resigned, obviously under a lot of pressure as VA secretary, because the VFW objected so strongly. So look out. This is a major fight between the veterans groups and VA. Because why does VA really want to have this proposed rule? It's so obvious. VA's Trojan horse proposed regulation is a way to eliminate the backlog by simply stopping claims. Well, they're doing bad enough job the way it is. They, they're able to pull all these other stunts. The poor veteran's not going to have a chance. Well, that's why, um, you know, I'm talking about it on uh, on uh, uh, with with you at SVR and, and HadIt.com. That's why I'm talking about it. We've had it up on our Bergman and Moore blog about the firestorm of opposition. There's newspapers writing editorials against this all over the country. Uh, you know, veterans groups testified in front of Congress saying that VA's proposal is terrible. So it's up to the veterans out there. Uh, to, to write in to Congress and say, hey, you've got to stop this. VA can't eliminate the backlog by blocking veterans from filing claims. That's right. And appeals. Go ahead, let me, break, let me break in right here. We're going to have to pay the bills, guys. So let's take about 22 seconds and reload and let me run this little commercial. Okay, go ahead. You're listening to the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com is veterans helping veterans. We leave no one behind, not on a jungle trail, not on a desert trail, and not on a paper trail. If you want any information about the VA, log on to www.hadit.com. Well, thanks for that, uh info there, and we certainly do thank com for their involvement here with the radio show, podcast. Um, it's, uh, it's a way of getting the word out to the veterans, and, and hopefully uh, they take heed to it, because we do provide a lot of good information up to date, as you can tell from listening to Paul. And anyone out there that'd like to call in with a question or a comment, our call-in number is 347-237-4819. Our call-in number, once again, is 347-237-4819. Uh, feel free to call in. We'd be glad to talk to you. And uh, uh, Paul, it looks like we we have a real mess on our hands, and the veterans are going to have to join hands and uh, combat to this as one unit. Uh, it's not just the BB uh, Vietnam Veterans of America or the Purple Hearts or uh, DAVs or, or American Legions, they all need to join hands and, and try to nip this in the bud because uh, 
This is going to put such a stress on the veterans' community. Uh, it's going to be mighty rough on them and their families. Uh, look at all the people this is going to affect. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll send you the Bergman and Moore comments, and, of course, I'll send you VA's proposed rules so veterans can actually see where VA wants to make informal claims go away. VA says that half of the claims are, are, are not on VA's forms, and then those will disappear. But but the bottom line out of all of this is, you know, Gerald, VA wants to end the, the claim backlog, and VA realizes they just can't do it by the year 2015, like President Obama and VA Secretary Shinseki and VA Undersecretary for Benefits Hickey have all promised. They know they can't do it. So they have come up with the Trojan horse of all Trojan horses that are anti-veteran. This one is really big, okay? We're talking about stopping more than a half million veterans' claims a year and stopping probably 60 or 70,000 appeals every year. That's just wrong. And, and you know, John, I'm going to say something that sounds kind of funny. It just crossed my mind. You know, we don't want to leave any veterans behind in the jungle. We don't want to leave any veterans behind in the desert. We don't want to leave anybody behind in a paper trail. But you know what? With VA's new computers, we're going to have to add another sentence. We don't want to leave anybody behind on the digital trail. Yeah. You know, I think that's right. Uh, yeah, we got that to contend with. And, and I can see all sorts of nightmares happening with that. If they're done this way on the papers, hard copies, we're having all these issues with hard copies. What's it going to be like with computers? Uh I like the computer idea. It simplifies it, but a lot of people are, are not uh, up to snap on computers. They're not comfortable around them. So that's going to create an undue uh, burden on, on a lot of veterans. Uh, but hopefully they'll still pick it up. But another thing... Uh, I've run into here, Paul, at Haddit, especially at Haddit more than anywhere, uh, and other uh, other people I've spoken to. Uh, as you agree, I'm sure you agree, that everybody needs uh, legal representation at one time or another through the claims process, especially it, once you appeal, and, and even if you get denied in that appeal, you you, you appeal again and, and so on. And uh, wouldn't you think most veterans uh, need uh, legal advice uh, once you get up, you know, to the Board of Veterans' Appeals and further higher up? No, those are great questions, Gerald. Here's the first thing that uh, that I like to say. Uh, you know, working for Bergman and Moore and, and going around the country holding claim appeal workshops for veterans. There's generally, um, you know, like four types of veterans who want to show up at a VA claim workshop that, that Bergman and Moore does. Okay? Uh-huh. The first type of veteran is he hasn't filed a claim yet. Okay? So we tell that veteran, 
go see a veteran service officer and then figure out if you want to do the regular claim method or you want to do one of these fully developed claims. That's where the veteran gathers the evidence and then turns it all in. Okay. The second type of veteran that shows up at one of our claim workshop is a veteran that has a claim that's pending. Okay? Yes. All right? The claim that's pending, okay, there really isn't anything that Bergman and Moore can do. That veteran should work with the veteran service organization to find out what's going on. And there's a lot more veterans in this pending group because the backlog is so big and VA is taking so long. All right? Now, the third group are veterans who have a decision from a VA regional office, okay? Uh-huh. So sometimes called a rating decision. Now, those veterans really have two choices. The veteran, if it's a simple claim, right, or a moderate claim, they can go to a veteran service organization, and most of the time they're going to get really good help and have their claim taken care of, right? They're going to have to appeal, file that notice of disagreement, file the substantive substantive appeal, and, and go on from there. Now, for those veterans who also got a VA rating decision from a VA regional office, it's that point Due to a 2006 law, those veterans, especially the ones with the complicated claims, they should consider seeing an attorney. Let me give you an example. Veterans unemployable, can't work, complicated claim. Let's say veterans got post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, an Agent Orange claim. Those are the really complicated claims. Uh-huh. Those veterans really ought to consider picking up the phone and calling an attorney. Of course, I'd be happy if they called Bergman and more. That would be great. Um, but now let me talk about the fourth group. And those are the veterans who have um, a decision from the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Okay? If a veteran has done his notice of disagreement and then their appeal went to the Board of Veterans' Appeals in Washington and the Board of Veterans' Appeals said no, Okay, those veterans really should strongly consider contacting an attorney or a law firm first. Okay, and here's why not many VSOs take cases to the court. Okay, Bergman and Moore, uh, they've been taking cases to the court for 10 years, Uh, they handle hundreds of cases a year. Um, Glenn uh, Bergman and Joe Moore are just great attorneys. Um, they take a look at the veterans board decision and then they go through every page of the veterans claim file to see you know what's going on and then if if it's reasonable then they uh the Bergman and Moore take the case to the uh, court of appeals for veterans claims in Washington so those are the main four types of groups is a veteran who hasn't filed yet they need to see a VSO a veteran who doesn't have a decision yet you know they've already filed they need to see a VSO Now, a veteran who just has a decision from a regional office, they can see either a VSO or an attorney to start the appeal process. But for those veterans who've been denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals in Washington, I really strongly recommend that those are the ones that need to definitely go to uh, a law firm to get help. Does that answer your question? Uh, Yes, it does. Uh, But uh, we're running into a situation here. I don't know if you're aware that's going on, but at any rate, we're running into a situation where 
some some attorneys are not taking they're they're turning down too many veterans that don't have a large retro. You know, even a veteran with a small uh, small retro, say one or two years, should be entitled to a term, wouldn't you think? Uh, and that's true, and a lot of attorneys do uh, take those. Um, but it all depends upon the complexity of the case, too. A lot of those small retros, they can be handled by the VSOs. And if the VSO can't, um, you know, then, then the then the veteran should consider contacting uh, a law firm. But if the case is at the Board of Veterans' Appeals uh-huh. and on going from a board decision or a board denial to the court, the amount of the retroactive benefit doesn't matter because in those situations, the um, if the veteran and the veteran's attorney prevail over VA at the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, then the veteran gets all of his or her retroactive benefit, and the veteran pays the attorney nothing. There's no money that goes from the veteran's funds to the attorney because the attorneys are paid by VA, and the law is called the Equal Access for Justice Act. The government pays the attorney fees. Okay, So on those complicated cases, even with small retros, where the case is going from the board to the court, the attorneys shouldn't turn those down. They should uh, take a look at those really carefully. Does that answer your question? Yes, in a way. Um, so in other words, the, in some cases, the retro don't matter. Uh, but that's that's the first go-around, though, ain't it, uh, uh, Paul? I mean, on the second go-around, after you've been to the court once and or uh, 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 the Board of Veterans' Appeals have turned you down again, and you file a notice of disagreement, uh, isn't that a time to bring in a, a, a legal counsel? Sure. Veterans can now hire an attorney as soon as VA issues a rating decision. Yeah, absolutely they can. But what we're seeing is some... Uh, a lot of different attorney groups are are not accepting a lot of them claims unless they seem to have a large retro build up. That 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 is a fair question, but I also say this: there are so many claims out there because right now, you know, VA is 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 deciding you know more than a million claims a year. And, you know, the attorneys are going to take a look at, at which ones have the, the greatest viability. And, you know, maybe it says more that they need more, more VA attorneys, uh, excuse me, not more VA attorneys, more private attorneys to take these veterans' uh, claim appeals. Uh, it also says a lot about how VA is just making a lot, a lot of mistakes. Oh, yeah, and they are. The VA is making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. It's it's not the veteran's fault or the attorney's fault that the VA is making mistakes. Um, you know, the, the system needs so much reform, uh, seriously. Uh, John, did you have a question? Go ahead, John. 
one of the biggest problems we have with the BBA <clears throat> BBA is that they actually they don't uh, they don't grant a lot of claims. They remand a lot of claims, and mostly goes back to the appeals management center to where once they get there, man, they're they're buried in the sand. Oh, you're right. That's that's I I, I wish Bergman and Moore could fix all that. We can't, but uh, Congress is aware of that. And part of the problem is that VA doesn't ask Congress for enough money to hire enough staff to process claims either accurately or in a timely manner. That's why it's broken. And the more pressure that Congress puts on VA to speed up claims, then the more mistakes VA makes. Uh, and that's that's just a tragedy. And VA just can't get out of that cycle, that, that spiral that, that goes down. And, uh, you know, there's only a couple of hundred attorneys nationwide that help veterans at all. And uh, there aren't very many that do it as a full-time exclusive business. A lot of law firms uh, that help veterans also do Social Security. There is so much work to go around. Uh, it's it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable because VA, the number of claims is through the roof and the number of mistakes is through the roof and the number of appeals is through the roof. I wish there was some way every veteran could get the help they needed. Paul, let me give you something to ponder. Let me let me sure. give you a, give you a to ponder. Um, let's say how many uh, now? How long is a congressional session? Two years. Uh, Congress is in session uh, two years. Now, who's the master of the delay? Who who wrote the book on how to delay? I think it's the Department of Veterans Affairs, the BBA, right? <laughs> you know, I would just say that it's the culture. You know, the, the culture has been delay and deny for so long, we'd have to probably go back to the 40s or the 30s to figure out who started it. <laughs> well, the VA is so inept at delaying the veterans, and they're pretty good at delaying Congress because they know these two years, once the two-year session's up, they got to start all over again. That's right. And that's one of the reasons why VA executives get away with so much. They think, you know, I've known some of them, they think like this, well, you know, so what that there's a congressional hearing? Congress can't fire me. Okay? And, oh, so what if there's a congressional hearing? There's going to be another congressman who's going to be the chairman of the committee next year. And if there's a new chairman, that means that there's going to be a whole new staff, the professional staff that work for the chairman on the committee. So remember, sometimes every two years, not only does the Congress change, but the chair of the committee changes, the members of the committee change, the professional staff change. And and then the VA just laughs, and they're like, yeah, Congress is so incompetent. They'll never figure out what we're doing over here. And that's really what they do, and that's really sad. All right, Gerald, we've got a minute and ten seconds, buddy. Yeah, at the time we're going to have to sign off. Boy, I hate to, hate to do that. Oh, I'd like to run another hour, but uh, we're out of time, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing this information. Uh, on on the Haddock uh, podcast, and uh, I know there are some people out there. Uh, we got a good listening uh, audience now, and and uh, so there's this information is going to be well used. 
and so we're all going to have to keep an eye on them, uh, on the VA, and and try to try to rebut whatever they <laughs> they shenanigans they try to do. But anyway, this will be Gerald Cook and uh, John Stacy and uh, Paul. We'd like to get you back on as soon as we can here. Uh, Anytime you want me on, I'm I'm on. By golly, uh, you guys are great. Yeah, you got us fired up now. Uh, but we're, well, that VA rule is terrible for veterans. It's disastrous, uh, you know. Uh, catastrophic actually for veterans and and their families it's not only the veterans are hurting so much it's their families too and it shouldn't be allowed that's all there is to it well i'm going to mail you all that information and i'd be really happy if you could post up the stuff on va's proposed regulation well there we bring <laughs> I'll put it down there myself. Well, the lady should be talking. We're done. It's over with. Well, I got a three day weekend coming up. I'm going to try to get out of Washington here before the 18 inches of snow hits. Oh, I don't blame me. I'll be running. <laughs> hey, Gerald, what's your email? And I'll send send you this stuff now. J-E-E Cook? Yeah. There you go. All right. You got it. And I'm going to send it to you. You get it in your email box in like two seconds. Very good. I appreciate it, Paul. Yes, sir. Well, I'll let you go unless you want me to stay on for another hour. Well, uh, you could, but uh, uh, we're not uh, recording right now. (laughs) Oh, you're not? Well, I'll I'll tell you one thing, uh, just just so you guys know, and I'll send this to you when I can. It's uh, it's up on our blog. You know, the number of patients treated by VA who are veterans of the Iraq and Afghanistan war hit a million, and the number of claims has hit 940,000. Oh, my God. That's right. Did you know we did the calculation? VA is paying between sixteen and seventeen billion dollars a year already for Iraq and Afghanistan disability benefits and medical care. Well, I mean this long. I mean, how many? uh, We know it. We've seen where they've had ten, fourteen terrors over there. What do you expect is going to happen to those poor guys? They're going to hurt. Yeah, they are. They are. And so, uh, the ones, now this is the ones the BAs taking care of. What about the ones the BAs are fighting tooth and nail, not trying to give them anything? There's going to be a large percentage there left out in the cold. That's just. Way the VA operates. 